Well, good evening and Merry Christmas, everyone. How's everyone doing this evening? Good? Excellent. Well, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jeff Kerr, and I pastor Homestead Community Church, and we meet here at Faith United Methodist on Sunday morning. My wife and I, we started the church about three and a half years ago. So before we go any further, on behalf of our congregation, to the wonderful people of Faith United Methodist, we want to say thank you for being such wonderful hosts to us. It has been a pleasure to uh, share this facility with you, and you guys have been so gracious in how you have allowed us to use your facility, and uh, there's times where um, we may be a little bit, you know, liberal on how we use some storage space and maybe make a mess here or there, and there could be plenty of opportunities for you to say, well, that's not how we do things here, but you have been so gracious, so welcoming, and um, it is in no small part because of you that we have a great congregation that is worshiping alongside of you on Sunday mornings, and I love an, an evening like this. I thought of it especially when I saw all the kids up here just a minute ago. I love that our two congregations, different heritages, different backgrounds, a whole different history, we can come together and we can be united under the unity of Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate unifier. I am encouraged because there is a lot of religious division in the world, a lot of denominational division in the world. So I love that this can be a small light of unity and it is much more, uh, much more needed in our world than we know. So I want to thank you. Um, Faith United Methodist Church. Homestead, could we give a round of applause to Faith United Methodist? I was, as soon as I said Homestead, could you give a round of applause? I thought, I hope there's some Homestead people here or else this could be really awkward. Um, I'm going to read a passage from the Old Testament. It is a passage that one of the Old Testament prophets had a prophecy about the coming Messiah. Now, you might be thinking, well, it's probably Isaiah, and Isaiah chapter 9 is a very common one, and I read it in our church service yesterday. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and that's when the prophet Isaiah talks about, you know what, I'm going to move up here. Just see a few people are kind of looking around different, different people in front of them. Where the prophet Isaiah, he is prophesying that the Messiah will come. He is God with us. He'll be wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. But that's not the passage I'm reading tonight. This is one that I had not ever used in a Christmas setting, and it's going to be in the book of Zechariah. Now, if you have a Bible, you can turn there in some of the pews. There's some hardcover Bibles there that you could open up. Zechariah is right before the start of the New Testament. So it's two books before the start of Matthew. It is a not-so-well-known Old Testament prophecy about the coming Messiah, and as I read these verses in just a couple of minutes, that's where we're going to be, Zechariah chapter 2 this evening, I want us to be reminded of the significance of the coming of Jesus Christ, the significance of the coming of the Messiah. It's easy to kind of reduce it down to a nativity scene or, you know, family gather. You know, Christmas is just about family and we sing Christmas carols. The coming of Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of so many Old Testament prophecies was a hinge moment for the history of mankind, was light coming into the world, God sending His Son. There is such, such significance there, and I want to read these verses. But before I do, it's important that you know what's going on as the prophet Zechariah is writing these words in Zechariah 2. It's important to know kind of the backstory a little bit. These words were written about 500 years before Jesus came. 
And so there's moments in this book of Zechariah and Isaiah throughout the Old Testament that talk about specific things about the coming of the Messiah. So maybe you've ever been in a moment where you've kind of questioned, is the Bible true? Have you ever kind of had that? Maybe you're a college student and you've been around some friends this first semester of college, and they're like, I can't believe you believe in the Bible. It's not true. It's just made up. And if you've ever wondered about the validity or the truthfulness of the Bible, one of the great proofs towards that is the fact that all of these specific things were written hundreds of years before Jesus came. So in the book of Zechariah, um, he talks about that there is, the Messiah will come and he will come lowly. He will come in humility, talking about that he's not going to come in triumph. He's going to be laid in a manger. There's even mention in Zechariah that he will be betrayed. He even mentions the 30 pieces of silver that will be paid to betray our Messiah. Very specific things. I found that super interesting, talking about the truthfulness of God's word. But this was written in Zechariah at a time when God's people had been exiled. So for thousands of years and generations, God's people were the Israelites, and they lived in Israel. They moved from Egypt through the Red Sea, and they settled in the Promised Land, and the nation of Israel was began. Well, then, generations later, they were exiled. The nation of Babylon came in, defeated Israel. They destroyed the city wall. Of Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple, and many of its citizens, many Israelites, were taken into captivity, were taken out of their homeland into Babylon, into captivity and slavery. And that was what happened. But now, when Zechariah is writing these words, they've been set free. Babylon is being defeated, and there is a declaration that the Israelites, you can go, you are now free. You can go back to your home, back to Jerusalem, back to Israel. You can start over there. But something weird is happening, is that a lot of the Israelites, they're not leaving. They're not going back home. A lot of the Israelites are choosing to stay in Babylon. Now, why would they do this? Why would they choose to stay in captivity when they've been told they can go home to freedom? Well, for some of them, they're thinking, well, we've been here a long time. This kind of feels like home. We actually built a home here. We've actually had kids here. This kind of feels like home. You know, and you would say to them, well, but you're in captivity. You know, this is the people that defeated you and brought you into slavery. And they're probably thinking, yeah, but, you know, over back home wasn't so great either, right? You know, I, I kind of know what to expect here. I've got my home. And then a number of them were saying, Jerusalem is a vulnerable city. The walls have been torn down. There's not even a wall around the city. So if we just go back home, we're just going to get defeated again because we are defenseless in Jerusalem. There's all of these reasons why they are refusing to leave captivity in Babylon and go back to Israel. And some of you are wondering, where's the Christmas in all of this story? It's, it's coming. Just trust me. It's coming in just a few minutes. And I know, kid, I'm not going to talk a long time. Sometimes you get nervous when the preacher seems like he's going to be talking a long time, especially on Christmas Eve when you've got presents waiting at home. So I'm going to be quick. But it's a very defeated outlook of the Israelites at this moment. It's defeated. They are settling for life in a land where they are captives. They're settling instead of trusting God and living in freedom in the home that he has provided. So in Zechariah chapter 2, God appears to Zechariah in a series of dreams. And these are moments where he is prophesying about the Messiah that is going to come. Hundred, he didn't know when, but it turns out it was hundreds of years later when Jesus came. So as we read these words, 
I want you to picture what it means that the Messiah came. This is what the Messiah means to us. This is the, what the Messiah does for us. When the, this uh, angel of God appeared to Zechariah in a dream, he let him know all these things, and Zechariah prophesied. And I was thinking as I was reading this week, wouldn't it be awesome? I, maybe you've experienced this. When I dream at night, it's never God speaking to me, right? I wish, I would love a moment where I would fall asleep and dream and there was an angel of God saying, here's what you need to do. The Vikings are going to beat the Bears next week. You know, stuff like that, you know, meaningful things like that. Whenever I dream at night, I had a dream, no joke, I had a dream a couple of nights ago where I was babysitting some kids of some friends of ours and all of a sudden, we were attacked by crocodiles, okay? So this is no joke. So we were hitting the crocodiles with pots and pans, and I'm not exaggerating. And I, I kind of assumed that was not a prophecy from the Lord that we were going to be overrun by crocodiles. Or the other recurring dream, and if you have any college students here, you can, maybe can relate to this. I have a dream where I, I'm all of a sudden in a college classroom, and I'm about to take a final exam, and I have yet to study one moment. And some of you are like, that's not a dream. That happened to me like two weeks ago. So. But as we read these verses in Zechariah chapter 2, I want you to think of the Messiah, that moment where Israel feels like they are defeated. Why return home? Just settling for life in captivity. This is what it says in Zechariah chapter 2, beginning in verse 1 and 2. I'm going to read those two verses. And this is the vision that Zechariah saw, and the words will be up on the screen. Then I looked up, and there before me was a man with a measuring line in his hand. Again, this is Zechariah's vision, seeing this heavenly angel. And I asked, where are you going? And he answered me, to measure Jerusalem, to find out how wide and how long it is. Now, it's kind of a weird verse, but what is happening there is a vision for Zechariah. The angel is saying, I'm going to measure Jerusalem because I'm going to get ready to rebuild. God is saying, I'm going to rebuild. The measuring line, I'm preparing to rebuild the temple. The glory of God is restoring, is returning to Jerusalem. In verse 3, it says this. While the angel who was speaking to me was leaving, another angel came to meet him and said to him, Run, tell that young man, Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of people and animals in it. And I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. This is God saying, Jerusalem, you might be thinking Jerusalem is defenseless because it is without walls. But God is declaring Jerusalem will always be a city without walls for a couple of reasons. One is because there's going to be so much blessing, so much abundance. God is going to pour out his blessing that the walls wouldn't even be able to contain all the livestock and all the people and all the resources. But then I love what comes next. I love what comes next when God himself says, and I will be a wall around it. I will be the one who protects and defends. I will be a wall of fire around Jerusalem. What a great moment. I love that moment. Don't worry about not having a man-made wall, and don't look at that city that seems defenseless and think, oh, it's weak, it's defenseless, because God is with them. God is with his people, and he will be their protector. I want to encourage you with that tonight, that some of you might be thinking, well, I need to provide for myself with this. I need to provide security for my family with this. I need to make sure my kids are safe with this. But how many of those things can you do that are man-made when God is saying, just trust 
me. Put me first, and I will be a wall of protection around you and your family. I love that moment. Can somebody say amen to that one? Amen. Maybe it's just the homestead people. We can say amen to that. I think we could have some Methodist amens tonight, too. That would be okay. I'm always, in, I'm always um, puzzled by people who think they are better off protecting themselves than by just surrendering their heart to God, who promises to provide and protect. In this verse, a wall of fire around the city. What a great verse. Jump ahead to verse 6. Verse 6, it says, Come, come, flee the land of the north, declares the Lord. For I have scattered you to the four winds of heaven, declares the Lord. Come, Zion, escape, you who live in the daughter Babylon. For this is what the Lord Almighty says. After the glorious one has sent me against the nations that have plundered you, for whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye. What a great verse that is. Whoever touches you, it's like God is saying, I'm restoring you. I want you to leave all the areas of captivity and return because I'm rebuilding it. And I'm, if you're worried about people attacking you again, I'm God, and God is saying, whoever messes with you messes with me. I want to talk to the students. If you're a student here, maybe you're an elementary student or junior high, high school, or a college student. Maybe you are here tonight simply because you were forced to come to church because you're at Nana and Papa's house, and you have to go to church on Christmas Eve, or you don't get any presents. But if you're that way, that's fine, but I want you to hear this one thing tonight, if you get one thing. Students, whatever environment you are in, this word is about you, that God loves you, that God cherishes you, that God wants to build your life on him. And then when you face difficult things, God loves you so much, he calls you the apple of his eye. That's a weird, sounds like a grandma saying or a grandpa saying right there. The apple of his eye is an old saying that talks about the very heart of the vision, the very tender part of the eye, what is most important. So kids, students, hear this. God is saying to you, you are so important to him. You are so important to him. And if anybody messes with you, they're messing with God, which is awesome, right? Have you ever had a really tough friend that when you walked down the street and he was beside you, you felt kind of safe? I feel that way whenever I go out with my friend Dennis, because I know that he's going to keep me safe. But that Dennis is nothing compared to God. Sorry, Dennis, right? And his wife said amen. You know, Dennis is nothing compared to God. Kids, I want you to know that when you have faith in God, he walks with you. And he's saying, anybody who messes with you messes with me. That is a great, encouraging word. You are cherished by God. We're going to go to verse 10, and here's where we get a little more Christmassy. Verse 10. Shout and be glad, daughter Zion, for I am coming. This is uh, prophesying Jesus coming to earth. Shout and be glad, daughter Zion, for I am coming, and I will live among you, declares the Lord. Many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people. I will live among you, and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. And we celebrate that, the fulfillment. Tonight we're here celebrating the fulfillment of those words that were written so many years ago. This is the fulfillment. We celebrate Jesus coming to earth. It's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful story. We've been singing the songs, and we've got the nativity scene, and there's going to be candles. It's a beautiful, heartwarming story. Angels and shepherds, I love it. But let's not forget that this story has power. This is God Almighty coming to earth, declaring, I'm going to bring you home. 
I'm going to rebuild, I'm going to defend, and I'm going to protect you and provide for you in ways you can't even imagine. That God has come, not just as baby boy in the manger, but as conquering king, as deliverer, as almighty God. He is a wall of fire for our protection. He is rebuilding your life, and he's calling all of us, like he did to those Israelites in Babylon, he's calling all of us to leave captivity and to go home, to leave captivity and to follow him and allow him to rebuild your life. This is what he is calling us to do, to leave captivity and live in blessed freedom. And finally, one other verse, verse 13, says this, be still before the Lord, all mankind, because he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. I love that. Be still. We tonight can be at rest and be still because Almighty God has roused himself from his heavenly dwelling and he has come to earth and he is with us. So allow yourself this Christmas, maybe even tonight, allow yourself a moment to be still. Not just because it's that, you know, elusive moment where the kids are all quiet Maybe in that like split second where they're happy with all their new toys and you can finally just be still. Maybe no, don't just wait for the moment when your relatives are done arguing about whatever political issue is out there and then you think, well, now I can be still. In the midst of all of it, and maybe even tonight as we're lighting these candles, worshiping, you can be still. You can be still because it's not because everything around us is still. It's because God has come and his word to us is be still because God has come, Emmanuel, God with us, and he is everything we need. Um, several years ago, and I'm going to close with this story, I bought a gas grill, I think from the Home Depot or one of those stores, and I've, I made a mistake then that I've not made since then because you learn lessons sometime the hard way. There on the box, it said assembly required. Now, that's different, I've learned, than it's when it says some assembly required, okay? <laughs> assembly required, turns out, it was like the, the smallest bits imaginable, just in a big bag, and, and it was every bolt and wheel and gas fitting and hose, and it took me about, since then I've bought the ones that are pretty much assembled or I pay for someone else to do it. But in that moment, I realized about five minutes in that I'm in way over my head. I'm in way over my head, okay? And so then, at the hand of the Lord, what happened was friends of ours came over. They had to drop something off or they stopped by our house. And no joke, the guy, it was a husband and wife, and the guy worked at a store where part of his job was to assemble gas grills. So this was like a, mo this was, you know, the angel shone down from heaven and Jim came, not a wise man, he was a wise man, but he came and, and he put together the gas grill. And in that moment, you know what I felt? I felt like, oh, the, the, the guy who knows what he's doing is here, right? I can kind of be still. I can relax because it's being taken care of, right? There was even moments where I felt so confident that I'd be like, hey, Jim, maybe I can help you with this. And, and Jim would say, be still, be still. <laughs> be still, let me handle this. In that moment, I knew what it was like to have somebody who knew what they were doing. I didn't have to stress about it, right? Somebody was taking care of it. Maybe you've been in a situation that was something different. Maybe it was a medical situation, and finally somebody who knew what they were doing showed up. Any situation where you felt, I mean, we've all been there, where we feel like we're at a loss, and when somebody shows up that knows what's going on, what, what do we do? We can be still. We can just relax. That's a great feeling, right? Well, this is what Christmas is. Amen? This is what Christmas is, is that Jesus 
has come. And he knows what he's doing. So a lot of us here tonight are worried about stuff. Your life kind of resembles a, a box of gas grill parts, and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to put this thing together. I, this thing feels like it's going to fall apart. There are times when fear and worry, all of these things, they don't discriminate for young and old. All of us experience that. Maybe you're a college student. You're like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Maybe you're a parent with kids in college or young kids, and your world is just constant, you know, a barrage of activity and stress, and you're worried. Maybe you're going through something with your family or with your health. Maybe you're of the older generation, and this year you've lost a lot of friends, and a whole new level of stress and worry is coming at you. And for all of us, I want to encourage you, Emmanuel has come. And what Zachariah said in verse 13 is because of that, we can be still. We can be still and just be at rest and just be at peace because this is what Jesus has done for us. And I love the, the, the lighting of the candles today. There's one for love and joy and hope and peace. Just another reminder, this is what Christ has done. All of these things. We can be filled with all of these things. So I want to encourage you tonight. And perhaps you are here needing that word of encouragement just to be still. And maybe you're here and you are like those Israelites refusing to engage in faith. You know that there is life and freedom that Jesus is calling you. And like those Israelites settling for life in Babylon, you're saying, well, sure, my life's not great. But at least I kind of know what I'm getting, right? At least I, I've kind of gotten comfortable in my worry, in my anxiety, in my fear, in my burdens, in my addictions, in my sin, whatever it is, and you say, yeah, I don't really want to go over there to new life and freedom because I don't really know what's going to happen, but Jesus is calling you, go home to him, come experience faith and life in Jesus Christ, amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight. You are the author of life, and tonight we celebrate that you sent Jesus to earth as a baby, but we know it was so much more than that. As our Lord, as our Savior, as our King. And so we open up our hearts to faith in you tonight. For those who are discouraged, who are holding faith at an arm's length away, I pray that you would draw them in, that they would experience what true life and freedom is. I pray for those who are in need of love or hope or peace or joy tonight, that you would invade our hearts and that for all of us in these next moments as we sing some final carols together, as we light some candles, may it just be a reminder that you are here and we can be still, knowing that you are God and you are everything we need. We thank you for this. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.